Hi, and thanks for watching. I'm Ken Mingus, Executive Editor at Computer World. I'm here today to talk about Shadow IT with Ryan Foss, who's written about Shadow IT for Computer World and other IDG publications for years. He's even had to deal with it himself as a one-time IT admin. So Ryan, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it because you are the guy who knows about this. Uh, we should probably start off for people who, you know, I, I, I'm going to assume most of the audience knows what shadow IT is, what rogue IT is. But, uh, what, you know, when you talk about shadow IT, what are, you, what are you sort of describing? Well, it's really a constellation of things, but it's when people, be they individuals, managers, executives, um, decide that what IT is giving them is not what they feel they need, they go out and source their own solutions. And that can be as simple as a cloud service or using Dropbox, or it can be buying uh, different PC hardware, buying smartphones, buying tablets. Um, the iPhone is kind of around which this started. It was the first sort of major device that people wanted to bring their own into work instead of dealing with what work gave them, which was usually about uh, BlackBerry. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in, in, in one of the pieces you wrote recently, uh, I think for Insider Pro, you had talked about how in, in the old days, you know, the IT shop really sort of set the parameters. You got uh, whatever Windows machine probably you were, you know, were going to be handed and whatever software you needed to do your specific tasks. And then, you know, in the, in the 2000s, as technology really began to change and with the arrival of the iPhone, you suddenly had a lot of, of workers coming, to, coming into the office with this uh, device that, that IT wasn't ready for. Is that sort of what prompted the, you know, the really sort of forced shadow IT maybe out of the shadows a little bit? I think it wasn't so much just that that was coming in. It was actually... It was coming in and corporate data was going on to it. And that was really the biggest challenge because it's, you know, okay, I, I can do this. I can share all this in a Google doc or I can share it in word and it's good. People find it easier with a Google doc. So, you know, I'm going to use that and I'm not going to worry about security and who on the outside might be able to find this link and get in here. And that was a big part of it was there's the, I want to do things that I want to do and the tools you're not giving me aren't good enough. But then there's the part of the equation is that a lot of the tools weren't better than they were because IT was trying to secure and protect. So Ryan, it seems like a lot of times the, the issue here is you've got IT is trying to standardize on things that are going to make sure that corporate data is secure, that uh, you know employees aren't basically getting into places or leaking data in ways that they shouldn't. Uh, and then, you know, I think you've made the point before that with the iPhone and the iPad, suddenly, you know, employees had a way to get around those edicts from IT. And, uh, you know, I'm just sort of curious, is that sort of how this evolved? Was, I, mean, I know you said it wasn't just the iPhone, but that certainly seemed to spur things in the, in the uh, mid to late 2000s. Yeah, the iPhone definitely, um, this part of stuff was most likely going on to some extent before but it was more like people emailing a document to their personal email address so they can work on it at home or something like that. And there, there was still, you know, somewhat of a trail that IT could follow. And in this case, you know, once the iPhone came out and smartphones began to proliferate, people were like, oh, I don't need to be connected to my corporate Wi-Fi network to be able to access an app or 
colleagues that are outside of my organization or any other sort of way that IT would keep things bottled up in the in the corporate network. And you know, originally I would talk to people who were dealing with this and they wouldn't they wouldn't even realize the scope of the problem because nothing was showing up in any of their logs. And so there was a big part of, you know, back around 2010, 2011, just educating people that, hey, this is happening. And you may not be seeing it, but it's still happening. Yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting how, you know, it was, it was basically people, sort of BYOD, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, that BYOD trend where people were bringing in devices that the company had not necessarily approved. Uh, or clearly, or in the early days, had not approved. And then corporations and IT shops trying to figure out, okay, we've got these employees, they've got these devices. How do we, if we if we can't lock them down and basically shut them out completely, which would have been very difficult to do given the popularity of, of Apple's yeah. devices, and then later on Android devices as well, you know, how do we manage this? So as, as I recall, in the early days of management uh, of mobile devices, it was pretty much a blunt force trauma. You know, if you had a device with, uh, uh, you know, corporate data and it got lost or stolen or whatever, the only you know, way to deal with it was to wipe the device completely, right? Yep, and that's actually like a big issue that um, kept, even after IT was being willing to support devices, there was like a lack of trust between users and IT. And their entire idea, and in some places it still is their idea, that you know, oh my God, if I tell IT I lost my phone, they're going to wipe it and I'm going to lose, you know, these pictures of my grandchildren or something of that sort that's very personal. And even though it's been quite a while since IT could just wipe the business-related stuff off of the device, a lot of people are still to this day not trusting that that's what will happen. Yeah, you know, go ahead, go ahead. And this is one of the things when I was at Mobile Iron, uh, we did a survey, I think it was around 5,000, 6,000 uh, individuals, and then an appropriate number of IT professionals relative to that. And it was really how much do you trust IT and how much do you trust users? And the, there was like a chasm between where IT thought the trust level was and where it actually was. And that sort of became known as the trust gap. And it, it's one of the things that made it hard for IT and shadow IT to get on the same page. Because if you're not trusting each other, you're not going to want to share what you're actually doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was, that was interesting because IT is going, we're doing it right, we're doing it right. And it was a communications issue. And shadow IT, heart is a communications issue. It's, you know, IT understanding, we, people are saying, we need this, and you're not giving it to us. And that's kind of really where the genesis of it, you know, it didn't just start there, but it's, that's the point at which if IT is listening and willing to put in some trust building exercises, that they can get on the same page. And you can have that conversation. Okay, you're using this app. Why are you using this versus what I gave you? You know, um, from my own personal experience, uh, why, are you, why are you booking travel on the web when I gave you Concur? And, you know, I was actually, I, that was me being the user going because Concur doesn't work very well at, no. at 
making arrangements. It's fine, you know, for expense reporting, but it, if I book all my flights through there, I'm going to be spending twice as much money. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times when you think about it, shadow IT arises out of employees who actually do want to do the job that mm -hmm. they, you know, that they're assigned to do. But going back to that trust issue, you know, because IT was often the, the, the department of no, you know, can I get this app? Can I get this device? I need a new computer. No, no, no. Yeah. And so I think that sort of helped, you know, or undermine the trust between both sides there. And you've made the point that, uh, uh, you know, if IT is going to get ahead of shadow IT or rogue employees who are doing their own thing, uh, that it, it's, it's a combination of trust and also, I think you said, communication and um, transparency, you know, and, and you were just explaining that, you know, okay, you have to trust me as the IT admin because this is what I need to do, protect corporate data, protect whatever, the network, protect privacy. Um, but if you're not getting out of the tools I'm giving you, what you need, what do you need? And then, then you get into that communication thing, right? Exactly. And it kind of starts there. And it's also it's one of the things IT generally has not been good at is having any interaction with the rest of most companies. So IT is like this, you know, opaque black box that nobody understands. And nobody understands why something is excluded or set up the way it is because it's never been explained. This is for security. This is why we don't want to use this, but maybe you want to consider this. And it's really that sort of, you know, IT not, I shouldn't say not wanting to talk, but maybe not knowing how to have that conversation or that dialogue, whether it's, you know, by email, whether it's by having IT people working directly in various business units, which is becoming much more common. Um, personally, I think that that's a great way to have the interaction build. Um, because in my experience, when you're dealing with, particularly if you're custom building software, in order to do that effectively, you have to really understand people's jobs and you have to understand what their pain points are. And I have always said, if you're going to do that, if you're going to rebuild something, especially if you're moving it from a mainframe to the cloud, this is your like once in a career opportunity to sit down and go, what didn't work about this? Why are there all these workarounds? Why does everyone in the department have 5 million post-it notes all over their monitor? And it, you know, if you've got down there and you actually see it and you see what people are dealing with, you get such a much better perspective on what users need and they get more of the, the perspective that you can actually provide that if they're willing to trust you. Yeah. And, you know, and, and those two obviously play, you know, go hand in hand. You, you can't have the trust without the communication and you can't really have the communication if the IT folks are off in their corner and the rest of the company's doing their own thing and never the two shall meet. Uh, you've also talked about uh, transparency, you know, as it, it, it yeah. and I think you sort of touched on this already a little bit that, that, you know, when, when IT folks are trying to explain to, to, you know, their colleagues, the people that work with them, uh, why we have to do things a certain way, they're just being transparent, saying, look, I'm not trying to slow you down. I'm not trying to give you a crappy tool that's not going to work. These are the things I have, the parameters I have to work in, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's that, that's part of it. And then part of it is, you know, actually saying, what do you need that you're not getting? Because, you know, it come, whatever conversation you have around shadow IT, 
that's what it ultimately comes back to. You know, there is a need and that it's not being filled. And I was talking to somebody about this last weekend and they put it really well. They're like, it never works out. It never works out well when somebody sees your solution as the problem. In other words, my solution is to go off and, you know, sign up for, you know, G Suite without telling anybody. And no, and IT or other people will go, no, that's actually a problem that you did that. And it's that sort of, you know, point where those two things meet that really needs to happen if it's going to resolve shadow IT and, you know, actually make a company stronger because we'll have the tools that are appropriate, secured the appropriate way. And hopefully we'll be meeting, if not every need, the vast majority of them. Um, Because that's one of the things, you know, there are going to be situations where IT literally will not be able to give somebody a different solution. Um, That's really that's particularly true in healthcare and financial services where what's there has to be meeting certain regulations. So, it's, and again, it's part of that conversation. I wish I could do this. This is what I can do. And you just try and find a dialogue. And one of the most surprising ways of starting that dialogue, um, I remember a few years ago when Apple for the first time in like 20 years had, um, an open public beta. And there were people, like IT departments were like screaming that they didn't want this to come to the door. And again, they didn't really have a choice. But what I saw some companies do was actually use the the people who were beta testing the OS as their beta testers and said, okay, well, tell us how this internal software works on this. Tell us, you know, if mail does well, well with this parameter. And so you're actually recruiting shadow IT into regular IT. And then once you have that sort of connection between the two, it makes it easier to, for IT to sort of be more of an advisor than just a dictator. And yeah. that's a role that I think IT is still growing into. Um, because it's a different skill set than it's, you know, like the saying that, um, um yeah let's move on I no that's fine you know you you actually mentioned something there that i was going to ask you about uh, in terms of skill sets and and this is sort of a a little bit of a tangent so if you're watching us just give me a minute and then we'll get back to the to the main point which is what happens when everybody gets distributed but before we get to that um you know i remember seeing something recently that one of the main skills in terms of hiring uh, in, in technology were the soft skills, you know, the ability to, to basically have the conversations that you're talking about, you know, finding out what do you need? Here's what I need. How do we get this together and do it in a way that didn't come across as like my way or the highway, you know, and it, it sort of surprised me because that's, that's, that's not really a technical skill. That's a people skill, you know, but it seems to be, it seems that that has become more important when making hiring decisions uh, you know, in the IT shop for IT admins, et cetera, than it used to be. Do you, do you see that? Do you think that's true? Uh, yeah, I think that's extremely true because, you know, you, if your only interaction with somebody is through one email a year or something of that sort, you know, you don't have that ability 
be to have a conversation. And maybe you're somebody who's very introverted and that doesn't come naturally to you. And that's okay, but you may want to consider jobs where that's not required so much. And it really is becoming something where, I wouldn't just say IT, it's becoming a skill that's required everywhere, is to have that people skill, that communication skill. Um, it used to be that was pretty much just like the marketing department. Now it's IT, now it's um, really anything. I, I was going to start to make a list, but then I, my head, the list kept getting longer and longer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Aspect of a company. Well, that's um, you know, that's I think that's important for people to keep in mind is that you know where do you not need soft skills now because we're so interconnected, you know, either between companies or between departments and companies, and uh, uh, you know the ability to clearly communicate and and again it goes back to that trust, the communication, the transparency. Um, let me let me shift gears because I do want to. This is the thing that I really wanted to ask you about right now. Obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, companies far and wide have distributed their employees to every home and little home office and wherever, you know, uh, they can sort of set up shop safely. So you've got an IT department that might not have been great at going down the hall to check in on employees and their colleagues and see what they're doing. And now you've got everybody, you know, everybody's a black box out there at home on cable connections and Wi-Fi and insecure public networks, et cetera, et cetera. So what, what's, how, how do you get around shadow, shadow IT when suddenly everybody's scattered? Well, it comes back to being like that advisor to people. Because while a certain number of people had worked from home and that was part of their job, um, there are thousands of people who that was not part of their job. They were you know, in the office with a PC, in their cubicle, or in their open plan thing, trying to hear, hear themselves think. And they, and suddenly they're like sitting in their living room with a laptop on their coffee table and going, I don't, like, I don't even know how to act. I don't know how to turn the VPN on. And so for IT to be able to explain that and to actually like use the help desk as a solution, as a solution there is to say, okay, people are going to be calling in from home and they're going to be frustrated and we're all kind of scared because we don't know how many of this is going to work. So just try to be a little, a little empathetic. Try to put yourself in their shoes as much as you can. Um, if, you, if it's possible for you to share their screen, uh, that's great. It'll make setting things together much, much easier. But as you're doing it, explain what you're doing. And that's one of the things that I've, it's that communication challenge, like IT skills in terms of, you know, speak a slightly different language or language and the language sort of around what we're seeing in the consumer space today is it's all the same stuff but it's talked about differently mm -hmm. and you know there is the way to sort of you can either try and like just cram this language that people don't get into their heads and they think well I just don't understand technology. I'm not good with technology. And if you actually, you know, say, okay, this is what this field means. This is what this checkbox means. This is why you need to have this set. Then people will, they may not remember everything you're telling them. Um, but it's that old adage. People may not remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. 
Yep. And it's, it's that whole point of being approachable and letting somebody know that, okay, you know, maybe you did something wrong. Maybe you, you know, you did opt into some sort of cloud thing that the company would disapprove of that they can then come to you and say, I did this. I probably shouldn't have. What do I do? Rather than yelling at them, you know, rather than being the department of no, you become the department of here's how, here's what to do. Here's how to fix it. Exactly. And in a weird way, Apple, um, kind of, you know, gave people like an example with the genius bar. Okay, this is kind of what people are getting used to. It works really well in the consumer space. Use this as your model. And there was a period, I think it's kind of gone by the wayside now, but a lot of major companies were opening up essentially their own genius bar. And okay, if you want, if you need tips, if you want advice on this over that, if you have a problem, um, you know, or if you want to see what we're working on and what the new technology is going to be, come down and sit down. And some companies did do the entire bar concept. Um, but it's that sort of, you know, that's the level of expectation that Apple has set. It's, it raised the bar for what tech support could be and what tech support should be. Mm -hmm. and, and do you think, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, do you think that uh, the fact that everybody is so distributed now and, you know, in the past, in the office, IT would come by, your computer was on the fritz, they would come by, you would walk away, go to lunch, do whatever, they would fix it, you know, it was fixed for you. And now, you know, so many of us are working from home, we have to become almost our own little IT person with guidance from you know, the people who really know what they're doing. And so it's an opportunity, basically, as you said, for people who maybe have used this technology for years and decades who don't understand how it works. I mean, I had a colleague of mine who's a reporter. I had to walk her through the process of attaching a document to an email. And I'm like, it's 2020. You should know this. But you don't really right. realize a lot of people don't understand the most basic steps because they've never had to do it. Now they do. Uh, does that make things easier, do you think, for, for, you know, fighting shadow IT now? Or does it make it a little harder? Or is it sort of a wash? I think it's kind of a wash. It makes it easier in certain respects and it makes it more difficult in other respects. Part of that is the personalities of the IT person and the person they're supporting. Um, part of it depends on what the technology is going to be. Um, like I just said, you can share a screen if it's a PC, a Mac, um, a Chromebook, you can share a screen like it, like you're used to, and people are seeing what you're doing. That doesn't necessarily happen if you're talking through uh, someone setting up a configuration on their iPhone or their Android phone. So in some ways, it, this is an opportunity, and it is really to get that over the hump. But then there's going to be situations where it does have to be, just do what I tell you. Yep, but, just follow along. Yep, I understand. Let me let me ask you because uh, yeah I, I, you know we could go on about about this for a while but I kind of wanted to give anybody that might be watching us some some pointers you know to take away from uh, from the video here about what they should keep in mind and what they could do. Do you have maybe three, four, five bits of advice that companies or IT admins or even you know people using the technology that they should keep in mind so we can somehow get through this uh, relatively intact? Um, I think the biggest thing for everyone to keep in mind is there's a reason be, there's a reason why people are doing what they're doing even if you don't necessarily understand what it is. So we've kind of talked about that a little bit from a security perspective 
it isn't just a securities perspective. It's a um, cost, uh, cost perspective. If you know the entire company site licenses something, it's going to be cheaper than having you know every little business unit go out and source it themselves. And so I think the biggest tip is you know the biggest tip is to actually be willing and able to have this conversation. And that needs to happen at the individual level. It also is one of the changing skills for IT leadership is to be able to have that conversation in the C-suite or in the management team so that you're really building a culture around, hey, we're in this together. Yep, that's actually a very good point. I think that's probably some of the best advice is make sure both sides know we're on the same team here. You know, we may be going at different things, different ways, but we're all heading in the same direction, theoretically. Um, okay, well, listen, Ryan, I, I just want to thank you. That really gives me, and I think people were looking at this, a good idea for what shadow IT is, uh, where it came from, uh, why it's potentially bad, and, you know, what can be done to try to fight it. And also the one way, the way it can be useful is it teaches you what you need to do better. Bingo. Bingo. Great. Okay. Well, listen, thanks so much for being here. We'll have to do this again sometime. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for watching too. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.